Welcome back to 444.com. It's the most accurate podcast. My name is Anthony Stalter, joined as always by John Paulson. JP, how you doing today? Not bad. Um, we're about a week from 2021. Like 2020. That sounds good. Yeah, doesn't it? Sounds really good. It sounds really nice. <laughs> uh, yeah, so hopefully we'll, uh, we can start off 2021 with nothing but positive news. And I don't know, maybe it'll last a, a week or so before something else happens. Or a day. Uh, yeah, or a day. Tell us about the music that brought, that brought us in and then we'll dive into the pod. Well, I figured one more uh, Christmas song uh, to, to wrap up uh, the 2020 season. Uh, this is The Pogues. People probably recognize this one. This uh, The Pogues with Christy McCall, uh, Fairy Tale of New York. Uh, it was released as a single in November of 1987, um, and then it ended up on their 1988 album, If I Should Fall from the Grace of, with God. And uh, I'm going to tweet out this uh, very 80s Christmas uh, playlist that I have because the last few uh, episodes we started with Christmas music and uh, it's all from the 80s. So I'll, I'll, I'll send this out, tweet this out. So if people are interested in listening to it, they can. All right, today in the podcast, we're, we will do some sneaky starts, but really we're going to talk a lot about the injury situations that could be impacting you either in your championship game or if you if you have a championship uh, game in week 17, which some leagues still do. It's not great, but some, some leagues still do. But we'll, we'll handle a lot of the injury situations that are, uh, that, are, that are impacting fantasy owners in a very crucial time of the year. Starting off with, look, there's a number of fuzzy backfield situations this week given all the injuries at running back, John. So We'll go team by team, discuss what we know as of right now. We're recording this podcast on Thursday morning, so you have a reference. We don't we don't have the benefit of Thursday and Friday practice reports, but we will try to provide further clarity on these backfield situations so you, the owner, could monitor not only the rankings and stay on top of all the entries, but you have a little bit of advice as well, again, based on our reports on Thursday. John, let's start off with the Cowboys' backfield situation. Ezekiel Elliott dealing with the calf injury. Back at practice, is expected to play. How does this impact Tony Pollard in your rankings? Pollard was very good last week. Um, and in the previous game that Ezekiel Elliott played and Pollard was in there as well, they basically split the work. Uh, so I'm sort of expecting Pollard to lead. Right now I'm expecting Pollard to lead this backfield in touches, but for Zeke to have a pretty significant RB2 type role, um, maybe, you know, eight to 12 touches. He's got the calf injury and I just feel like they're, they're not switch, you know, necessarily switching the backfield to Pollard, but he's, you know, healthy and, and playing very well. So I don't know that they would give it to the less efficient player right now. Um, Pollard has just been kind of outplaying uh, Elliot for, for a little while now. Um, and with, you know, Elliot dealing with a calf injury, I doubt they give him 20 touches. So right now I have Pollard, uh, ahead of, of Zeke, but you know, obviously with Zeke back, it 
diminishes Pollard in terms of the quality of play because you just don't know what sort of workload he's going to get unless we get some sort of clarity on that. So I had him in the top 10, and I've dropped him now in the rankings so people can see what, where he's at for their scoring system at the site. But um, it's, it's definitely closer uh, with with uh, with Zeke and, and Pollard, and, and Pollard maybe as an RB2 type as opposed to an RB1. All right, let's go on to the Buccaneers situation. Ronald Jones is expected to miss Week 16. Leonard Fournette had himself a pretty good day last week against the Falcons. He scored a couple of times, uh, get, receiving receiving the the, the load uh, for Tampa Bay, receiving the, the majority of the workload. He had 49 yards, specifically 14 carries, two touchdowns. So how strong of a play is Leonard Fournette again this week? I think he's even maybe even a better play than he was last week. I mean, obviously he got the two touchdowns. He wasn't super efficient last week against the, the Falcons. They're number one in adjusted fantasy points allowed. Uh, to running backs, but this week he's got a matchup with the Lions, who are 32nd. They're last in the league in this in this matchup. So he goes from having the the, the worst matchup you could possibly have in terms of AFPA uh, to the best, and you know he's likely to see 15 to 20 touches as the primary back for the Bucks. Uh, the Lions have given up 128 total yards, 4.3 yards per carry, which isn't too bad, but they've given up 1.4 touchdowns per game uh, on 26.4 touched. Uh, touches to opposing backfields over the last five games. Um, so this is a really good matchup for Fournette. I have him ranked as a low-end RB1. I'm going to go through and do a sweep uh, today and sort of adjust the rankings, but I definitely think he'll be you know in that 10 to 20 or 10 to 15 range. All right, Washington. Antonio Gibson returned to a limited practice on Wednesday. If he does return, where would you be? Where would he be ranked? And then where would you have J.D. McKissick? And if and, and is he still playable? Yeah, it's it's a little bit uh, of a bummer if you have McKissick and you're hoping to start him this week because he's got a great matchup. He's been seeing tons of touches. Uh, they're actually kind of gone away from Peyton Barber at you know pretty much entirely. Uh, they're giving McKissick the ball as a as a runner. He's obviously a good pass catcher. Um, but if Gibson does come back, and in that case, I would assume that he's getting close to full health. He had a pretty bad uh, turf toe injury, apparently. And he put in a, a limited practice uh, yesterday. So if he does play, I think I would have him ranked in the teens, uh, maybe closer to 20. And, you know, when he was when he was healthy, he was getting into the top 10, top 12. Um, but, you know, coming off the toe injury with McKissick playing pretty well, they might make this more of an even split. And I think just Peyton Barber just kind of goes away in terms of his touches. So I think I think Gibson will be startable if he if he plays and we don't we don't hear anything about him being limited. Moving on to Kansas City, Clyde Edwards-Alaire is out. How strong of a play is Le'Veon Bell versus the aforementioned Falcons? Yeah, the, the Falcons, as I mentioned, are good. Uh, I mean, they're just they're, they're also pretty bad against the pass, so that's part of what you know is going on here. The teams realize that they're difficult to run on, but easy to throw on. So they just people that are smart just throw the ball every down. Um, so you know, even even so, you know, having the the starting running back for the for the Chiefs is valuable. Uh, I have him ranked as an RB2. I think he's around 20 and, and half PPR. Um, Daryl Williams will be involved as well. Uh, he the, Reed tends to, to play two running backs over the last few years, and it wasn't, you know, you don't have the, the giant workloads from these running backs. 
Uh, so I would expect Bell for 15 to 20 touches, and that's a that's a good start in the in the Chiefs' offense with with Williams coming in for you know a handful five to seven touches. San Francisco's backfield situation: Raheem Mostert is out. Jeff Wilson is he a dependable start against the Cardinals, or would Tevin Coleman and or Jarek McKinnon eat into his touches? Well, this is this is really going to be a test of how you know, Wiley, uh, Kyle Shanahan is with his running back touches because the obvious start here is Wilson. He's been playing well ahead of Tevin Coleman, who's been injured and at his back now and has barely touched the ball since he's been back. McKinnon uh, has taken a big backseat to Mostert and Wilson in recent um, in recent games. Uh, you know, over the past four games, Wilson has 49 touches, while McKinnon has seven and Coleman has five. So it's a pretty big disparity there. And I would assume that Wilson is going to lead this backfield and, you know, end up with at least 13 to 17 touches. Uh, and it's, you know, a decent matchup against the Cardinals and it's a good running game. So, you know, he's also the preferred touchdown uh, goal line back. So uh, I think Wilson's a pretty strong start this week, but, you know, just with the caveat that Kyle Shanahan can always shift gears Um he has a tendency to, to utilize whatever backs are healthy to him and in the best way for them. So, you know, you don't be shocked if it's a three-way split or, or Wilson uh, doesn't get as many touches as you're hoping for. All right, Rams now. They're playing the Seahawks. Cam Akers is very likely out with a high ankle sprain. How do you see the backfield touches being divvied up now between Darrell Henderson and Malcolm Brown? Yeah, this has been... Uh, you know, other than the last couple of weeks where, where Akers really took over as the lead back, this has been kind of a weird backfield to try to, to peg down. But I went back and looked at the, the five games that Akers played either 5% or less of the snaps or missed altogether. So there's two games where he missed altogether. There was three games where he played, you know, less than 5% of the snaps. So he's just a total non-factor. And in those five games, uh, Henderson averaged 15 touches for 89.6 yards, 0.40 touchdowns. In those same games, Brown averaged 9.4 touches for 40 yards and 0.2 touchdowns. And in those games, Henderson outtouched Brown uh, in four of those five games. So it's not a guarantee that Henderson will lead this backfield, but uh, when Akers has been out or extremely limited or just not part of the game plan uh, this year, it's been Henderson for the most part as the lead back. So I think he's a fairly strong play, again, with the same caveat that McVay um, might change gears just like Kyle Shanahan does and, and use Brown uh, more. And also, also you know, with both of those coaches, um, if, a, if a certain running back looks particularly good on his first few carries of the game, um, he might ride the hot hand. I mean, that happens quite often uh, for both the Rams and the 49ers. Moving on to Miami's backfield situation, Miles Gaskin is coming off the reserve COVID list. Do you think he'll come back to a full workload, or is Sylvan Ahmed a better starting option? Yeah, this is probably the most difficult one to peg down because Ahmed has looked um, really good. Uh, he's averaged, I think, 4.57 yards per carry uh, this season. Uh, Gaskin has averaged uh, 3.9 yards per carry, so... If you just compare the two in a vacuum, Ahmed has you know outplayed Gaskin from running from a running standpoint. Now Gaskin, at the start of the year, uh, was the the bell cow. I mean, he was seeing eighteen plus touches a game, and when he did return uh, in, I forget which week it was. I think it was um, it wasn't too long ago. It was week. I'm pulling it up. Week thirteen. He returned uh, from an injury. He ended up with 21 carries and two 
uh, catches, 141 total yards, played 71% of the snaps. But in that game, Ahmed was out. So it wasn't like we have a, you know, they had the option of, of playing Gaskin or Ackman. They played Gaskin. They just were basically forced to play Gaskin. So, you know, coming back here in week 16, you've got a healthy Gaskin who's coming off the COVID list and Ahmed uh, running really well and actually running better. Uh, how do they break this up? So I'm, you know, I'm leaning right now towards um, a pretty close to a 50-50 split. Um, I think Gaskin will probably, you know, lead the backfield in touches because he's been the guy whenever healthy. But, uh, you know, given the, the levels of production for both players, I think this is closer than maybe people think. Um, and I think both players are startable, but they're, they're not like, neither one's like a clear, you know, RB2, RB1 that you can plug in and, and kind of forget about. I think owners should keep their ears to the ground and try to see if there's any information they can glean um, about who's going to lead this backfield and touches because whoever does is going to have a significant uh, advantage over the one that doesn't. All right, Jacksonville now. What are the chances that James Robinson plays and sees a full wor- workload against the Bears? The rookie's been fantastic this season. Yeah, um, this is a, a near and dear to my heart. I've got I've got uh, him in our AQ, our armchair quarterbacks final, um, and we were playing him in our FFPC uh, main event final week. Uh, so we have to decide whether or not we're going to play Robinson. Uh, the initial speculation from some of the injury folks that I follow was that he had a high ankle sprain, uh, which would pretty much rule him out or have him be fairly ineffective if he does play this week. Um, but apparently Robinson has told uh, his coach that uh, Doug Marone, right, um, that he feels good and can play, uh, but they're planning to rest him this week. So we probably won't see him at practice, maybe not even today, maybe just tomorrow. Um, if he's out all three uh, days, uh, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, uh, and is questionable heading into Sunday, I wouldn't feel great about his chances of playing. You know, we've got three, we've got a Friday game and we got three Saturday games and owners are going to have to make decisions Um between players in those games and somebody like James Robinson. So let's say you have Jeff Wilson on, on Saturday and you, you know, James Robinson doesn't have a practice in or is, you know, limited on Friday and is questionable for Sunday. Uh, I would feel pretty leery about waiting on uh, Robinson. If I didn't have any other options to plug in for him, if he's out, I mean, the good thing is he plays early on Sunday, but you know, there's um, you know, four games before that. And so there's a lot of running back decisions you have to make. Um, so the other thing that with, with Robinson is that I don't know how, like, I, I feel like the coaching staff is probably going to try to win the game because it's how coaching staffs and, and players, uh, are going to go out there and they're going to try to win. But Jacksonville has the number one pick now after the Jets won, uh, how much are they going to want to win the game? And the putting James Robinson in the game increases their chances of winning. So could you see management? just saying, nope, Robinson's not playing this game or some sort of, uh, you know, decision is made where he's seeing half of his usual snaps or half of his usual touches. So we, this is another situation where you really have to pay attention to the the news reports and see if there's, I mean, and unfortunately I don't know how much of a, you know, a beat writer contingent there is for the Jaguars. Um, none are springing to my mind right now. Um, but I'm sure there are a couple of the good ones. Maybe, um, check their feeds and see what uh, if they're answering any questions and, and maybe ask about uh, Robinson or maybe I will actually do that. <laughs> um, but uh, so this is a really tough one. Uh, as I laid out there, I just don't know that they're going to try to win the game. Um, 
as an organization because it just diminishes their chances of getting the number one pick and getting a, you know, a franchise quarterback. All right, let's discuss a few key injuries to other positions now. Dwayne Haskins, not an injury situation, but you know we saw this, the, the whole problem there with him being at a, a, a strip club or a club without a mask. Big mess in Washington. He t- he did take first team reps though in practice, despite those off off field issues. Alex Smith is working his way back, but how do owners adjust if Smith does return as the starter this Sunday? Yeah, right now I have Terry McLaurin and uh, you know in the top ten, and that's with Haskins throwing the ball. Now if Smith's back under center, then Haskins' numbers or um, McLaurin's numbers has have taken a dip. So I probably would have him ranked in the teens. If uh, if Smith is is starting instead of Haskins, so that's definitely something I'm paying attention to. Uh, they play early on Sunday, so owners uh, McLaurin owners owners should t- uh, pay attention to who the quarterback is because it might change your decision at uh, maybe a flex or your wide receiver two, wide receiver three spot. Speaking of wide receivers, Chargers wide receiver Keenan Allen hamstring did not practice on Wednesday. Again, I just want to reiterate that we're recording this on Thursday, so we don't know about the practice the practice reps for. Thursday or Friday, but what's your gut feeling say on Keenan Allen? Well, he played, um, you know, a third of the snaps on a Thursday game. He's had 10 days uh, break in between. He's getting some more time off. I mean, it'd be nicer to see him as in limited reps on Wednesday, obviously, right? So, you know, maybe he gets in a limited on Thursday or maybe he's still out on Thursday. My assumption is that he's going to play since he did play last week and he's had this much time off. I don't think he retweaked his hamstring at all in the game. We didn't hear anything. Uh, so my assumption is he's going to play and be um, you know, closer to a full participant. I hate to put a lot of faith in that after what happened on Thursday. Um, but that's the assumption right now. So I think, again, owners should pay attention to his practice. If he gets in a full practice, I think we're safe. If he's limited um, and it's just sort of like, well, we're, we're not sure he's questionable and it's going to be a game-time decision, then I would probably lean uh, against, uh, you know, away from him. Uh, they play late. Uh, the, the Broncos are pretty decimated at, at secondary, so it's a great matchup if if he can play. But, you know, given what happened, we got burned on Thursday, I mean, it might happen again. So really pay attention to whether or not he's questionable, uh, if he's full or if he's a limited participant, and how many practices he, he gets in this week. Tyler Boyd, concussion, did not practice on Wednesday. We have no idea if he's going to face the uh, – who the Bengals play on? Texans? Yeah, they play the Texans. So we don't know if he's going to face the Texans on Sunday. Possible opportunities for T. Higgins and A.J. Green, John. Yeah, both of those players would get a bump if, if Boyd is out. Um, they would see the vast majority of the touches. I think you could also probably count uh, Gio Bernard in for some slot snaps and stuff like that. So um, Boyd, I have him in the rankings right now, but if he you know doesn't do anything uh, in Thursday's practice, then I will probably remove him since it's you know he's sort of with his concussion is sort of trending towards not playing. Stefan Diggs did practice on Wednesday. Looks like he he will play on Monday. He'll have an opportunity for a couple of more days of rest here. I would imagine that Stefan Diggs is going to be you know probably among your what top fifteen this week, John. Yeah, yeah, he's a. Uh... This is coming into this game. People were very worried about Diggs because he's his foot foot injury, and foot injuries are usually pretty dicey. But he, you know, having he was out stretching on Wednesday. We don't have a full or limited designation yet for him. Um, but uh, you know, the fact that he was out there, it looks like he is going to play, and that's on Monday night. So unless we have some sort of downgrade here before Monday night or before Sunday, you could probably start Diggs with with, 
full confidence. All right, tricky situation now for Tyreek Hill owners. He did not practice on Wednesday. As we know, he was limited last week against the Saints. He's got a great matchup against Atlanta secondary. If he's if he's inactive, what do you think about Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman this week? Well, I think the good news with, with, with Hill, and it's not a one-for-one one exchange, obviously, is that Sammy Watkins and McCole Hardman might be out there in the waiver wire. And that's not the case with a lot of these, uh, you know, number two, number three receivers. Um, so if you are sitting on Hill, I think it makes a lot of sense. And you, you want, you want to see if he's going to play, uh, makes a lot of sense for you to pick up, um, Hardman or, uh, Watkins, uh, the two very different players. Hardman's more of a, you know, big play speed receiver and how Watkins is more of the uh, possession receiver. Uh, but they play, uh, early on Sunday. So again, you've got four games before that. You might have to make some decisions, I think this is probably, you know, I think he'll finish the game uh, and is pro- this is probably just giving him a rest before the uh, early in the week. And again, we don't have Thursday's practice to go on yet. So, um, you know, I wouldn't panic yet with Hill. All right. And then you've got Julio Jones, same game, different, different team, hamstring injury, missed last week. He didn't practice on Wednesday. He usually doesn't practice much outside of maybe some, some light work on Friday. What if... If he does, let, let me phrase it this way. If Julio Jones does practice on Friday, do you still feel as though that he's he's a, he's a wide receiver one and he's a must play on Sunday despite the fact that, again, he's banged up? Yeah, I mean, we've had games where Julio looked very iffy and he totally blows up. We've had games where he looks like he's trending the right way and is a pretty strong start and he has a bad game or he retweaks his hamstring. It just could go either way. So he's a, high, he's a risk-reward guy. If he plays the full game, uh, he's probably going to produce for you. It's just Julio Jones. He's that good. Um, so they, I think the, the coaching staff said that he's a little bit closer this week, which doesn't sound great. Right now I'm assuming that he's going to be out, but if he does get in a limited um, practice, uh, he starts participating there, and uh, maybe things start to look up for him, then uh, it's, a, it's an upgrade because he, he was completely out uh, of practice all last week. Um, so if he does get in a limited on, on uh, Thursday or Friday and is questionable, then you probably want to keep a, a you know a seat warm for him in your starting lineup. It depends on how stacked you are at receiver. Devontae Parker hamstring took limited practice reps on Wednesday. What do you what's your thoughts on him with the Dolphins in Las Vegas? Great matchup against the Raiders on Saturday night. Yeah, normally if a player didn't play the previous week, I'm very you know not very quick to put him in the rankings the following week because they just an object in motion tends to stay in motion. An object uh, at rest tends to stay at rest. And um, typically that, that means that the player misses the following week unless you start seeing some good practice activity. Um, but this is a situation where, I mean, he was limited all last week and then was ruled out. Um, I, I heard that the Dolphins could have played Parker, Gasicki, uh, Jakeem Grant, but they made the calculation that they could beat the Patriots without them. Um, so... They wanted to give them as much rest as possible heading into, you know, this week uh, against the Raiders. Um, so my assumption right now is that Parker will play, uh, and that's obviously a boost for Tua, um, and it's a little bit of a downgrade for Lynn Bowden, who's been seeing you know the a good portion of the t- uh, of the targets. I think he'll still be, you know, startable um, PPR formats, but not as as big of a role in the offense if if Parker, Gasicki, Grant are all back. All right. Eric Ebron, moving to two tight ends I want to talk about. Did, did not practice on Wednesday. No organ damage for Ebron after a hard hit, and that's according to NFL Network's Tom Placerio. 
Ebron has struggled with drops, but he's also a guy that is that has been kind of a touchdown magnet. What are your thoughts on him? I think you know when you use the phrase "no organ damage" uh, for a football player that you know maybe he's questionable for the, <laughs> for the following week. Um, yeah, if he's if he doesn't practice on uh, today, then I'll probably remove him from the rankings because it's starting to look doubtful. You know, Vance McDonald would be a sneaky start if Ebron. Um, can't play, but the more likely thing is that his targets would go to uh, you know Deontay Johnson, Juju Smith-Schuster, Chase Claypool, James Washington. Um, I wouldn't feel super confident about McDonald, although he could have a decent game uh, this week. So yeah, if you if you're planning on starting Ebron, I would definitely have a plan B ready. And then one more tight end that I wanted to get to, Mike Kosicki of the Dolphins. got the shoulder injury. You talked about Devontae Parker earlier in the matchup with the Raiders. He took limited practice reps Wednesday. Kosicki was on the did-not-practice list on Wednesday. Could be limited on Thursday and Friday, and he was certainly limited on Thursday and Friday last week before ultimately being ruled out. So Mike Kosicki, and then your thoughts just on the, on the, the other Dolphins that could see opportunities if Kosicki's out. Yeah, Gesicki, as you mentioned, Thursday and Friday was limited. So practicing on Wednesday is an upgrade for him. However, they play on Saturday. So, you know, relative to the game day, it's the same, you know, it's the same plan. I mean, he's he's practicing um, three days before the for the game, and that was the same on last Thursday. So um, my assumption is that at this point that he is starting to trend the right direction. Um, so... If he's not in the rankings already, I'll put him in there. Um, looking right now, I don't think I have him in there yet. Uh, so if he has another limited practice today, I'll add him. So check back um, later today to see where he's ranked. Uh, he's obviously been pretty good this year when he's been healthy. You know, you do worry about that shoulder. Uh, I think when the injury happened, we thought that he was going to miss a couple games. Uh, but, uh, you know, it looked like he might be, might actually play last week. So I think this is a pretty good uh, indicator that he might play this week. All right, time for some sneaky starts, John. If you go to 444.com, you can check out the entirety of John's Sneaky Starts Week 16 article. Remember, we talk about a couple of guys at each position on the podcast, but John goes into great, greater detail on other sneaky starts. So if you're looking for either a pickup on your on your waiver wire or maybe in DFS, you're trying to fill out your, your lineups there, great. This article is is fantastic for those type of pickups. Let's start off with a couple of quarterbacks as we normally do. Baker Mayfield, he gets the Jets. Jets are 32nd against quarterbacks this this year, and Mayfield has been outstanding over his last, what, three or four starts now, John? Yeah, he's been like top five in the last um, four starts in terms of total fantasy points. Uh, 258-2 against Jacksonville, 334 yards and four touchdowns against Tennessee, 343 yards, two touchdowns against Baltimore. And uh, 297 yards and two touchdowns against the Giants. So he doesn't add much as a runner, although he did have a running touchdown against Baltimore. Um, but he's just been red hot uh, really since, I wouldn't say since Odell Beckham went out because there was a few win games there and a, and a rain game where his numbers were really depressed. But now he's getting into some decent weather games and he's he's crushing. Uh, the Jets are 32nd and just a fantasy points allowed to uh, quarterbacks. They did well against Jared Goff last week, uh, 209 yards and two touchdowns. But, you know, in recent weeks, they've given up uh, 206 and four touchdowns to George, uh, Russell Wilson, uh, 381 yards and three touchdowns to Derek Carr, 257 yards, two touchdowns to Ryan Fitzpatrick, and 366 and three uh, to Justin Herbert. Uh, 
that's all in the last few weeks. So uh, still a great matchup with the Jets, even though they did play well against uh, against the Rams. So yeah, Baker, I think, is a strong low-end QB1 streamer this week. Two other quarterbacks. Mitchie Football, you recommended him last week, played pretty well <laughs> against Minnesota. He's, he's strung together like three, four good starts now. The Bears' offense has come alive against some some pretty shaky opponents of late. So you got him against another shaky opponent, which would be Jacksonville this week. Yeah, and I, I just chuckle every time you see Mitchie Football. Uh, <laughs> the Jaguars... I'll just believe it at this. The Jaguars have yielded at least two touchdown passes in eight straight games. So if if Mitch doesn't, if Mitchie football doesn't get two this week, then he's going to break a, a long running streak here. So no, Jacksonville is just defensively not great, and uh, this is a good matchup. And the Bears' offense is, is playing a little bit better. Um, David Montgomery looks good. He's got you know a pretty good set of receivers. Cole Komet's coming on at receiver, so he's got some options there. And uh, yeah, I think it's a, I think he'll have a good production against Jacksonville. I would start Mayfield over Trubisky. I just think he's a better quarterback. All right, and then one more quarterback for your sneaky starts. The rookie Tua Tungavaloa. He is again. We keep talking about this matchup with the, the Las Vegas Raiders, and that one's on Saturday night. So talk to us about Tua. You know he had a he had a decent game against New England. He had the two rushing touchdowns. Um, he had uh, two ninety six and a touchdown against Cincinnati. He had three sixteen. Two touchdowns uh, against the Chiefs. He had uh, 24 yards rushing and a touchdown, so he's starting to run the ball a little bit more. Um, and if he does get, I mean, he was doing it last week with no receivers, basically. So, you know, he gets Gaskin back, he gets Devontae Parker back, maybe he gets uh, Gasicki back, maybe he gets Jakeem Grant back, and now he's got a better set of weapons against an easier defense. I think he's a strong start against against Vegas. All right, some running backs. G- Giovanni Bernard, he, I, I feel like he's on this list uh, every week for sneaky starts, and I know you've gotten caught in some uh, – you have caught some grief over using Gio Bernard, but what are your thoughts there? Yeah, well, I, you know, after the he fumbled against Dallas and kind of got benched um, last week, I didn't have him ranked all that high because it's just any confidence in his workload, and then they turn around and give him – 26 touches he ends up with 97 yards and two touchdowns last week so you know he probably blew up on people's bench or people cut him you know heading into that game it was against Pittsburgh like he had the easiest matchup against Dallas and blows it I'm not bitter at all I didn't start him in my Scott Fishbowl to get eliminated <laughs> oh, didn't, no. this didn't happen I'm sure it's happened to somebody else but not me no um and then he turns around and um, just goes nuts against Pittsburgh it's just uh that's fancy football sometimes doesn't you know the matchups don't uh, always work out the way you want. But this week with with the Texans, their 31st in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. Uh, they've given up 163 total yards, including 5.12 yards per carry and 1.4 touchdowns on 27 touches uh, to opposing backfields in the last five games. So everybody's shredding, uh, pretty much shredding the Texans. Uh, you know, the Bengals, if they're going to score, and they did pretty well against Pittsburgh last week, scoring some touchdowns. Um, they they should have a, a pretty easier you know pretty much an easier time against the against the Texans this week so I, I think I think Geo is a startable as an RB two all right and then some uh, one other running back Ito actually a couple other running backs Ito Smith we know that Todd Gurley he's done as the starter for the Falcons I mean interim head coach Raheem Morris essentially said as much now Ito Smith has struggled when he's gotten kind of the full workload before uh, but talk to us about Smith both as a PPR performer and as a runner against the Chiefs. Yeah, this is like, you know, on a scale of 1 to 10, the confidence level of this start is like a, a negative <laughs> 0.2. But uh, Smith was confirmed, or Morris did confirm that Smith is the lead back. He did out-touch um, 
Todd Gurley last week, but it was only eight touches uh, in a bad matchup with the Bucks. I think this matchup's a little bit better with the Chiefs if, if the Falcons are, you know, can run the ball on them. They're 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to running backs. He'll probably be involved if they're in pass-heavy situations as well because he does catch the ball pretty well. Um, so this is like a desperation. I need, you know, eight to 12 touches, maybe get a touchdown out of him. That's that's, that's sort of the level for, for Edo. All right, one other running back, Frank Gore, the, the ageless one against the Cleveland Browns. Yeah, we might be having to start him in our FFPC uh, main event. And we have we have Gore on the <laughs> Gore on the bench. You know, Lamichael P. Ryan is supposed to be back this week, and there was you know a few weeks ago uh, a report that the Jets were planning to feature him uh, to see to evaluate and see if he could be the running back of the future for the Jets. And then they turned around and gave double digit carries to Frank Gore. So you know, Adam Gase has something with Frank Gore. He loves to feed him the ball. Um, so. You know, you always look at, you know, maybe he's ranked too high. You know, you just don't feel feel comfortable even when he's in the 36 to 40 range in the rankings. Um, but he sh- he's probably going to see, you know, 12-plus carries against the Browns. And, you know, if there's a touchdown to be had, he's probably going to be the one that gets it. He had 26, uh, 24 touches uh, against the Rams, 65 total yards. Just a, such a, a very Frank Gore line. Uh, but added a touchdown as well. Uh, so he ended up with double-digit fantasy points, and sometimes that's all you need. Moving on to some wide receivers now. Manuel Sanders with the Saints. Michael Thomas was out last week. Sanders caught four or five targets for 76 yards. What do you think about him against Minnesota tomorrow, which would be Christmas Day and Friday? I think it's a good matchup for him. The the, the, Val, uh, the Vikings are 19th in just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. In his five games that he has played this year without Michael Thomas, he's averaged 5.4 uh, catches for 73 yards and .2 touchdowns. And I think on the year, he's averaging more than that in terms of touchdowns. So I think you can expect maybe a half a touchdown from him uh, in this game. His his targets jump from four per game to 7.2 in in the games that Thomas has missed. So he, be, he basically becomes the number one receiver uh, for the Saints, uh, you know, along with Alvin Kamara. Uh, but he, he's been getting steady, steady work with Thomas sideline. So I think he's a good start. All right, Kiki QT and then Chad Hansen, the two wide receivers, for the Houston Texans, even though Cincinnati's defense looked great against the struggling Pittsburgh offense on Monday night, this is a nice matchup for Houston. Yeah, and Deshaun Watson is better than uh, Ben Roethlisberger, so I think we can agree on that at least. You know, we have lots. Of, it's a very divisive country, but I think we can agree <laughs> that Deshaun Watson is better than Ben Roethlisberger. Um, looking at this game, it's it's interesting because Cincinnati's. Uh, has a good, really good cornerback, uh, William Jackson. I think he got Pro Bowl snubbed, uh, but he's been shadowing uh, number one perimeter receivers most of the year, and I think he's probably going to shadow uh, Brandon Cooks. So there's a little bit of downgrade for Cooks, and that means that uh, QT and Hanson may see uh, more targets than they maybe normally would against a neutral, you know, in a vacuum type defense. Uh, QT, his games last three weeks after, you know, the Randall Cobb injury and Will Fuller getting suspended, you know, eight for 141 and five for 53 and a touchdown against the Colts who have a good defense, uh, three for 24 against the bears and a touchdown three for four, 24 and a touchdown against the bears. And then Hanson has uh, five for 101 and two for 55 and a touchdown against the Colts and then seven for 56 against the bears. So I think both are playable. I would lean towards uh, QT, uh, but I think Hanson is also playable in this game. He actually has the best matchup um, against uh, uh, McKenzie. I'm sorry, Darius Phillips. He has the best matchup of the bunch, uh, but I think both QT and Hanson are playable in this game. 
All right, moving on. Rashard Higgins, he continues to pop up in some sneaky starts. That's because he's had uh, some really good weeks, John. Yeah, six for 95 and a touchdown, six for 68 and a touchdown, and four for 76 in the last three games. He has 24 total targets in that span. He's got a matchup with the Jets, 29th and just a fantasy points allowed to wide receivers. He was a guy that we just had to stick with because he um, – he just kept playing in, in 30 mile per hour, 35 mile per hour win games. He had a, a downpour game all in a row, and I'm sure he got cut. But I uh, kept featuring him in the in the sneaky starts, and uh, he's, he's he's paying off now. And this is a really good matchup. I think he's extremely startable this week. All right, we I think we're obligated. I haven't seen a contract. But I think we're obligated to mention Jared Cook. So Jared Cook is among your sneaky starts this week. Yeah, he was a little. I had him in this, this uh, column last week. He was a little bit of a dud. Uh, but he has a long record of production with the Saints uh, when Drew Brees is healthy, uh, and especially in this game with uh, Michael Thomas out. Um, I think he's a threat for tight end one numbers. And, you know, Minnesota, not the greatest against the pass. They're 17th in adjusted fantasy points allowed to tight end, so I'm expecting a bounce-back game for Cook. All right, speaking of Minnesota, you also have the other tight end in this matchup, Irv Smith, listed among your sneaky starts. Yeah, I had him in here last week as well. He dropped a touchdown pass, um, and I'm not bitter about that at all. But he played 82% of the snaps uh, last week, which is encouraging. I think he's getting closer to full health, and it looks like Kyle Rudolph is going to miss another game. Uh, the Saints are not a good matchup uh, for tight ends. They're number one in adjusted fantasy points, a lot of tight ends. However, it's extremely hard to run on the, the Saints. I think the, they'll try with Dalvin Cook and maybe have some success, but if they shut him down, and make it difficult on them. They're going to have to throw the ball more than they more, you know, otherwise would, and that might benefit some. All right, one more. Let's talk about Jordan Aikens of the Texans. You had talked earlier about Kiki QT and the other wide receiver in that matchup, Chad Hansen, so might as well mention the tight end as well, Jordan Aikens. Yeah, last week, six targets against the Colts. It's the second straight game with six targets, so he's obviously benefited from uh, the issues that the, the Texans have at receiver uh, with Fuller out and Cobb out. Um, he had five catches for 50, 50 yards last week, and the, the Bengals are 30th in adjusted fantasy points allowed at tight end, so that's why he's sneaky this week. All right, that'll do it for our podcast today. That's John Paulson. You can follow him at 444 underscore John. I can be followed at Anthony Stalter. This is our final podcast of the year. We'll certainly be back for a season wrap-up pod in January or February. But for now, have a great holiday season. Have a happy new year. And we hope that you win your league championship game or if you're in a third-place game like I happen to be after winning uh, the, the, the one league that I was in. John, I was in first place, and I got smoked last week because virtually everybody had a bad week so if you're playing for a third a third place uh you know trophy this this year good luck to you as well but john paulson and i certainly appreciate everything that you the listener have done in terms of listening to us and continue to listen to us our podcast numbers uh have grown every single year so thank you and we hope for a great 2021 season for everyone, fantasy and otherwise and again we appreciate you tuning in to the most accurate podcast we'll see you next time Could have been someone Well, so could anyone You took my dreams from me When I first found you I kept them with me, babe I put them with my own Can't make it all alone I built my dreams around you The boys of the NYPD chorus are singing
Christmas Day. Christmas Day.